Take that! This is Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. This is a rebroadcast of an original episode first recorded with my father, Jeff Clark. Welcome. In this episode, you are going to step inside the pearl to find out who you really are. Or we could just spend time mocking people. Yep, let's go for that. In this episode of Hunting Humbug 101, we're going to look at the WT the WTF fallacy. That's the what the f- fallacy. It's not a fallacy in our book, uh, but it's one we did go on to create in the, in the process of looking at fallacies. And we will now read uh, our, our, how we define the WTF fallacy on our website. Okay, the WTF fallacy, other labels, um, insults that we use... Uh, Creatard, step inside the pearl. And any other kind of name for moron, crazy person you can think of. They were just two I thought Absolutely. Were spot, yeah. Okay, the definition. The advocate puts forward a claim that is comprehensively and self-evidently flawed. A claim that is beyond flawed, it borders on the insane. The advocate's claim is so error-ridden that one would not actually know where to begin in trying to analyse it. Moreover, one would have to take a leave of absence for a year or so in order to do so. A WTF fallacy is only to be invoked when the claim under consideration is so lacking in any rational basis that one is left speechless with perverse admiration. How could anyone in their right mind make such an astonishingly stupid assertion. The only possible response is those three little words muttered in hushed and awed tones. What the f... Though similar in nature to simple-minded certitude, the WTF fallacy is more extreme. WTFers ought to have seen the absurdity of their claim for themselves. There is simply no point in engaging with a WTFer, as meaningful interaction will be nigh on impossible. Our advice is to completely avoid any interaction. If you must engage in social intercourse, a supercilious attitude is best, and moreover, such an attitude is completely justified. Heap nothing but scorn and derision upon the advocate. A clue for spotting WTFers is that initially one would naturally assume that the deluded one was putting forth an absurdist joke. To which your natural response might be, Put one, mate. Ha ha ha. That's a hilarious suggestion. But there will be no reciprocal jovial response from the WTFer. Merely a blank stare. A blank stare which shall be met with raised eyebrows and a comment such as, Please, tell me you're not serious. The WTFer of, will, of course, continue to stare blankly. No data can ever enter that tin-foiled, covered, case-hardened skull. You should avoid drooling when your mouth reflexively drops open at this point. A shorthand way of describing your state at this moment of realisation is gobsmacked. Take a step backward for reasons of personal safety. At this point you realise you're not dealing with a rational human being after all. Turn on your heel, shake your head, beat a safe retreat and mutter, What the f- 
Now, we're aware that there may be other interpretations of WTF. However, as far as we're concerned, it stands for what the fuck. Okay, so that was our definition of WTF. And just before we give a couple of different examples we've got, where it comes from is that it's, like I said in the example, it's not technically an error of logic. It's just a method of, you know, breaking off a fruitless interaction with, um, you know, the wholly appropriate derision. But I think the internet has been one of the reasons why you need a, such a kind of a label is that you get so many now, cra- you know, cr- literally crazy people, but also people who are just so simple-minded uh, that have access to the internet now, um, and they are able to spout whatever rubbish they want and if you try to engage in one of those people on the web, on a forum, on a blog and comment section, it, it just goes around and around in circles and no data does enter their head. So there is literally no point in engaging with them unless you just, you know, you, you enjoy pain. I think, uh, Sarah, the other way of dealing with it is to just do something surreal in response. Um, like you might do the notes who say Nick from Monty Python yep. or... Um, something of that kind, and then just walk away, because um, n- nothing else will break through their certitude. Um, they will be um, ungraspable in-, in terms of the, the verbal interchange. Um, they're, there's, they're covered with lard, metaphorically, and that, nothing can be grasped or held onto. Um, so you're better off just backing off and uh, doing something surreal and enjoying yourself in that way. Well, I know surrealist humour is one of the things you actually love, but um, without further ado, let's have a look at uh, a couple of... I've got two different examples we're going to have a look at, and the first example is relatively famous on the web now, and I admit I did uh, steal this from the discussion on the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe about this one, the crazy rainbow lady, but it is such a good example of a WTF, uh, someone who who could actually be diagnosably uh, have some kind of mental disorder. Um, so I don't like to necessarily laugh at her, but when you hear it, it's kind of hard not to have a chuckle. So just with this clip, uh, with, the, with the crazy rainbow lady, there's actually text, it's a video off YouTube, um, and there is text in the video. Now what I thought I'd do is I've used the Windows Voice uh, text-to-speech software to uh, convert that. So instead of me reading it, I just use that, and plus it makes it sound even more surreal and bizarre by having a computerised voice read out her crazy text. So let's have a listen to the crazy rainbow lady. Heart Rainbow Aerosols, July 6, 2007. Now the new phenomena is rainbows near the ground. Twenty years ago we never noticed these rainbow effects so predominantly. Hot day, July 6, 2007, about 4.30 p.m. I'm just wondering what the heck is in our water supply? What the heck is in our oxygen supply of the metallic oxide salt? that create a rainbow effect in a sprinkler. What is oozing out of our ground that allows this type of effect to happen? Not just around our sun and our moon anymore, everywhere we look. 
the visible spectrum is rainbows. This cannot be natural. We all know it wasn't something that happened 20 years ago, but now it's happening now. We as a nation have got to ask ourselves, what the hell is going on? What is oozing out of our ground? We need to raise our voices before they take away our rights, our constitutional rights, our human rights, to not be guinea pigs for our governments in their never-ending thirst for energy sources. By D. Boots, July 6, 2007, Northern California. And there we have the crazy rainbow lady. Northern California, can't say I'm too surprised. Just so you know, if you haven't actually seen it, but you should, I'll, obviously I'll put a link to it, but basically she's filming a sprinkler in her yard and there's a rainbow in it. And that's it. And they weren't there 20 years ago, apparently. The, the thing about the fantasy worlds of, of WTF is, is that they are quite interesting, as long as they're not dangerous. I mean... Um, she would lie awake at night thinking about the rainbows in the water sprinklers and thinking about the implications and so on. And it, it would make for a rich fantasy life. But that person who indulges in those kinds of conspiracy theories, unfortunately, they can't just stick to the one. And so eventually they'd be kind of overwhelmed and, and um, develop serious mental problems and have to be locked away and sedated. Well, yeah, that's the issue with her is, like, she probably does have some kind of you know, meant, unless it's a hoax, I've, there's a, there's a, I haven't, you know, I've never, haven't really done any research into this one. So the only other option I thought is maybe this is someone just having a bit of a joke. But it does, if it's a hoax, it's there's no, there's no obvious, it's not obviously one. They haven't obviously made it to be a hoax. So yeah, and, to and me, she does actually sound crazy. We have a finely tuned, uh, we collectively have finely tuned antennae for irony, for humour, and for satire. Well, that's what we're known for, I'm sure. Uh, but the other, the other, well, the other, actually, see, normally, most of the time you get that kind of hoax stuff, it's through emails too, and then the first thing I do is I get a hoax slayer or Snopes or whatever, and I haven't bothered doing it with that one, but I just hope to believe it's true in a way. But this next one is a, is a, another one we'll listen to now, is another, um, oh, and sorry, for people who don't know about rainbows, it's the visible spectrum of light being, uh, being split apart from white light through refraction through uh, the drops of water, just like with a prism, as Sir Isaac Newton demonstrated he could do three, four hundred years ago. Um, obviously, what she's talking about with the sun and the moon is when you look up in the sky and there's clouds around the moon at night, they can refract uh, it, the, little, the rainbow pattern around the moon. The metallic stuff, I guess, she's getting from... She's talking about metallic stuff in the water, so I assume she's getting that from, you know, when you can see... Um, maybe in oil stains, you can see that the refraction, and or CDs, they refract the light. Uh, and you can get those patterns. So, but who knows what's going on in her head? But h- hilarious and strange at the same time. But anyway, if anyone wants to learn more about that, just look it up on Wikipedia. It's not too difficult. Uh, now, the next example is someone who is again is a WTFer, but not I don't think crazy. Um, it quite it's quite similar to the interview I had with a psychic 
a couple of episodes ago. This is an example from uh, Dawkins, Richard Dawkins' documentary series, The Enemies of Reason, that we used a bit of last week as well. And this is Dawkins with a faith healer who does his meditative type of faith healing. And it's where I got the idea of another name for this kind of uh, fallacy being called step inside the pearl to find out who you really are. So you'll see in a second, this is uh, an example of Richard Dawkins in The Enemies of Reason. move through time and through space. Allow the eyes to gently close. Smile your very best smile. Swallow the smile with some saliva into the heart and let the heart smile back at you. And there's a warm and a welcoming feeling. Joy without end. Grace, beauty, laughter. The deep knowing of the wise being that you are. And the golden glow that comes from the heart comes from a golden flower and use the gold light from the centre of the flower like a sunbeam and beam it onto those petals and wake them up. There is a second part that's very personal and this is to step inside the pearl itself. Because if you step inside the pearl you could find out who you are. Elises Livingston is a professional faith healer. She runs the Shambhala Retreat in Glastonbury. For £140 a day, she treats patients, including those with terminal cancer, with a mix of meditation, spiritual healing, and the playing of recorded chants. She believes she can alter the structure of DNA. Quite an experience. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes. DNA is very interesting right now in our, the evolution of the human race. Um, every human being, except um, a very small percentage, has a double helix in the cell. We and don't all have Oh, everyone. You said uh, a very small percentage. Oh, no, a very small percentage do not. Really? They have got more strands. Um, we used to have, in Atlantis, 12 strands, and they're in the form of four triangles facing in, in each cell. And we forgot who we were in the experiment after Atlantis, mm -hmm. and everything changed. Reincarnation was introduced. The soul I know what you're thinking. This woman is way out. I expected a serious program about the attack on science, and here's Richard Dawkins just picking on an easy target. But these ideas are not so weird in the irrational world of alternative health. In fact, they're commonplace. Is Elises' theory of DNA from Atlantis any more irrational than the Ayurvedic notion of chakras, seven spinning energy wheels inside us? They're certainly great money spinners. How do we know all this? Where, where does all this come from? Um, it comes from the Akashic record, the record of all vibration on this planet. Uh, we also have knowing. In, when we were doing the heart meditation, you go into the deep knowing. And the deep knowing, it really can't be argued. What you know, I know that you realise this, of course, you know. 
Well, I, I, I know that DNA is a double helix, but that's only been known since 1953. So How is her evidence, the knowing of this Akashic record, any worse than the evidence for homeopathic claims that the more you dilute an active ingredient, the more effective it becomes? Both depend on faith. For all things and all activations of spirit. Apparently, I'm only a few DNA strands short of the full Atlantean quota. Elisis kindly agrees to top me up. So, let's put the last triangle in. It's done. <laughs> Let me know in six months how you're feeling. I'll, 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 I'll wait and see if I get any any, yes, any, any effects. <laughs> last triangle in. Yeah, and uh, he's very kind in his uh, manner of speech too, which I think um, is more effective than, uh, like, uh, I, I would tend to be um, aggressively sarcastic probably. Unless I, unless I thought yeah, well, that's when, when I interviewed the psychic a couple of episodes ago, that was the approach yeah. I took. Um, but then when I listened back to it, I kind of feel like, oh... I was being a bit soft there with some things, but in a way, that's a better way, you know, like give him enough rope kind of thing. I actually disagree with Dawkins in some way because when he's saying, um, how is this any different to some of those other things, those other things, they at least attempt for some kind of internal consistency within themselves. Um, they try and build up some kind of rationalization, but her thing just picked everything possible under the sun. The experiment after Atlantis, we forgot who we were, the Akashic record, you just know what you know, then we introduce reincarnation. It's like, what, what, what don't you yeah, believe? The, the other thing is that they, they're very disparaging of science, but they're very free with their use of scientific terminology. So, oh, so I'll right, talk yeah. about DNA, which was only discovered through advanced crystallography and, uh, intense sort of um, uh, analysis of uh, diffraction of x-rays and all, all the rest. Um, they'll use that terminology, um, but disparage science itself. Mm, that's right, yeah, yeah. They're happy to take the, 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 um, the, the props of science, what science has succeeded by using the, co-opting the language, but not any of the methodology or any of the logic, reason or... Um, in a theoretical framework which science yeah. has built. I mean, look, it just go look up the actual facts of Atlantis. It was written about by, was it Plato or Aristotle? One of the Greeks. I think it was Plato, maybe, as like a, as like his kind of, um, utopian society, but in a, in a book of, uh, you know, not a factual book, a book of philosophy as an exa- example, and then it's just been taken and then 12 strands of DNA. And, and again, I'll put a link up for the actual video of it. She just looks at him and then holds and holds her hands up near her face and goes, and blow, blows on him, and then she's given him 12 strands uh, of the DNA. The other thing, uh, listeners, when you hear Theo or myself indeed say, I think it was Plato or I think it was Aristotle and so on, uh, you need to realise that if you catch us out, or you believe you catch us out and find out that it was in fact Descartes or something, uh, that postulated Atlantis, um, it, it's a spot that deliberate mistake exercise. We, 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 we don't oh, actually make any errors. 
uh, we carefully no, research no, no. each, no, each no, of no. our programs. Obviously, and I mean that's that's what I did with my and, students and all the time as well. And the thing is well. that it, it's, it disappoints us when we don't get people emailing us telling us what mistake it is because it shows you you're not really paying attention. So I'm not saying whether or not there was a deliberate mistake there, uh, but there will be from time to time deliberate mistakes. Um, if you're cool about just letting us get on with fooling other people, yeah, just don't bother. Uh, well, but the other, the other thing I will say is you, you should at some stage disagree with us to know that you're thinking for yourself. Like if you agree with us on everything, then you're not thinking for yourself. Now, of course, you will actually be wrong when you disagree with us. Yeah, but we, we let but you down But at gently. least it shows you are attempting to think for yourself. Yeah, and we, we let you down gently. We, we will say you're wrong. There'll be no question of that, that we believe that you're wrong. Mm. You're informed. Sorry, not ignorant. believe that they're wrong. We know um, that they're wrong. But yeah. um, we, we'll let you down in a general way. We'll say, that's, well, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, but if you, we'll do the Socratic thing where we gradually bring you around to our way of thinking, which, of course, is, uh, well, at the very, at the moment, is... is uh, Sacrosanct, is, our way of thinking is. Our, our way of thinking is, is really very, very well-tested. In the crucible of our arguments with each other, and we often bring other people in our arguments too. And we have changed our minds many times in the past, um, but we believe that at this time we're, we're pretty much um, up to speed on everything. No, actually, to be serious now, actually, that's one of the things about being um, uh, interested in the, the process of the thought processes is you, the actual outcome of what you think you're not too fussed by. So if you're shown to be factually wrong about something, it's not a big deal because... It, you're not interested in that. You're interested in the, the actual thinking processes that lead you to reach some kind of conclusion. And then, if new evidence comes along that makes you change your mind, that's great. You're not you're not bound up in the uh, in the actual ideology, or you're not bound up in the um, the actual factual outcome of it. So these people have made their bed with Atlantis or the rainbows or whatever. They don't care about they care about the outcome. They don't care about the thought processes that went them in there. And yeah, there's, the, there's the, a the, quote the, by someone anonymous quote. I can't remember who wrote it, but it said you can't. Uh, I don't think that no, it's it's unknown. Although Known, but it's you can't argue someone out of a position they haven't reasoned themselves into. Yeah, look, the, the other thing there I, I may come across and you may come across from time to time is arrogant. That people have to realise that it, it's it's a deliberate faux arrogance. It's a posture, or is it? Well, I, as I say, I'm a scientist. I evaluate evidence, and all the evidence points to yes in this case. But, um, or does it? I know it does. <laughs> Uh, but to, to get back on, and we always go on these off t- tangent rants. But anyway, um, what are, there's you don't really need to actually analyse these too much because they're just absurd. Uh, but there's a bunch of other great examples that are probably funnier than those ones. I think on the website for WTF fallacies, I'm not going to read them out because that's just kind of boring. Uh, but go read them on the website because some of them are certainly, certainly my favourite ever post that I've ever done was about a um, conspiracy theorist uh, called Spook911 um, on the website under WTF Fallacy of the Year. So if you look up WTF Fallacy, it'll list them all. Uh, and he's a conspiracy theorist, and they're, of course, right for that. And he did an experiment, inverted commas, to prove that that steel couldn't melt and and therefore, you know, the World Trade Center couldn't have collapsed under its own weight. And what he did was he got some chicken wire uh, and put some a kerosene fire in it and had, like, a, a brick on top, a construction brick on top. And because it didn't cr- collapse, 
from his kerosene fire, therefore the World Trade Center was a conspiracy and it was blown up. It, it's just... It was ripe for satire, so the best post I ever did was I did a similar experiment to prove the moon landings were faked, and my experiment to prove the moon landings were faked was I got a uh, a, a barbecue sauce bottle, which I put wings on, um, paper wings, and I got a basketball, and I threw the basketball up in the air at the same time as throwing, trying to throw the barbecue sauce bottle at the basketball. I never managed to hit the basketball once. I said, oh, well... If I can't hit a basketball with a barbecue sauce bottle, then how the hell did they land a rocket ship on the moon? So sometimes I think the best idea is to do complete satire. There's also another example with uh, Madonna and her Kabbalah water, where they think they can get rid of nuclear waste by chanting at the water. Um, there's also, especially our US listeners would know about the rapture, when we're all going to be raptured up into heaven, well, the holy people. And there's a service in the US where they uh, take all your details, your bank details, all that kind of stuff to, um, that'll, and it'll automatically send it out to people once the rapture happens, anyone left behind, so they can, you know, get your money and stuff. So but there's many absurd examples of WTFs where you just, it's not possible to engage with the, as we call them, the tinfoil hat-wearing people. At, it's just at, at the time, there that you, you addressed that um, uh, uh, World Trade Center fallacy that was going around, by your moon landing hoax, um, I I formed the view. I was thinking along the lines of the WTF fallacy because I, I I noted that many of the conspiracy theorists who believe that George Bush and his minions uh, could wire up immense buildings secretly and explode them so they fell down as an excuse to go to war and so on were the same people that actually criticised the conduct of the war and and, and basically said the war was uh, badly executed because George Bush was a buffoon and a fool and so on. So you can entertain two mutually contradictory um, propositions in the head at the same time. Uh, George Bush and his minions are cunning enough to pull off this gigantic hoax, but they're too stupid to uh, go to war or to, to wage a war effectively. So it, it's, it's, this is one of the characteristics, I think, for me anyway, well, they build up these rationalizations to avoid cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's fruitless reasoning with them. And I think, um, uh, I, I actually think it's a psychological condition, um, that a person, um, is able to their do brain that. simply works in a, in a mm. different way to a, a verbally oriented brain. So if, if you're used to putting together sentences and, uh, and diagrams to explore an issue, uh, these people just snap images out of the air and and just mix them up in a cauldron uh, and pull them out, and uh, whatever comes out is what they believe. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and that's the, the picture that comes up is you look at, they have all these completely uh, ideas that are at odds with one another, but just doesn't computer doesn't enter their head that these ideas are at odds with one another. I don't know how they compartmentalise their thinking that they manage to do that. Um, but yeah, and again, the, the key point with this one, it's not technically a logical fallacy. It's just that when people when people's thinking is that that addled, they're so far down the rabbit hole of craziness that you can't have a discussion with them. And on the internet, it's just going to happen all the time. To me, it's like the the trump card. You can say, look, you're a WTFer. 
there's no point engaging with you anymore. I'm I'm out of here, you know. And it's not it's it's is beating a retreat in a way, but it's it's not it's not saying they're right. It's just saying there's no point in dealing with them because um, it's that level of inanity. So yeah, the only way I've ever found dealing with it, if I'm going to bother, is by doing some kind of satire, some kind of satirical take of it, because that just points out the absurdity of what their beliefs are. Um, and it's highly amusing normally as well. So go have a look on the website at some of those other examples, because if I, even if I do say so myself, they're pretty funny. Hello, Richard Saunders from Sydney, Australia, hoping you'll join us for The Skeptic Zone, the podcast for science and reason, with guests like Brian Dunning, Derek and Swoopy, Dr. Pamela Gay, Mark Mayer, James Randi, Ben Radford, Dr. Steve Novella, Dr. Carl Krzelniski, Dr. Eugenie Scott, Dr. Paul Willis, Dr. Phil Plate, and many more. You're guaranteed a good listen. The Skeptic Zone at www.skepticzone.tv Now, a couple of other things to uh, follow up on. First of all, thanks to The Skeptic Zone again. Uh, they were kind enough to mention our podcast in their section of their podcast called The Think Tank. Um, and Richard uh, actually got in contact with me about uh, my interview with The Psychic, which he enjoyed. So... Thanks, Richard, etc., Tiffany and Iran and um, Rachie, uh, Dr. Rachel, uh, who talked about us in their section. Um, welcome to any or more new listeners, which I know we have from the Skeptic Zone. Uh, and don't forget, go to their website and get a free ebook version of Humbug. So it is completely free. You can download it uh, from Scribed. If, and if you don't have a Scribed account, I've got a separate download that you don't even need an account for to download the PDF of it as well. Uh, Speaking of the book, um, we had a competition two podcasts ago, I believe, uh, where if someone gave us a review on iTunes, we would pick a winner to win a copy of the paperback edition of Humbug. Now, Dad and I on discussion have decided we're never, ever, ever going to have a competition where we actually have to choose a game. It was too difficult because all the reviews I've read now are great and I thought they were fantastic, so we chickened out of actually picking a winner ourselves in terms of what we liked. We just went for the name out of the hat kind of deal. Um, I did try to pick of the first few people that emailed me, uh, just put them in the hat. Uh, it was more than three of you, but I just I couldn't be bothered to be that, um, couldn't be bothered to care so much about it. But anyway, the winner is Zach Neriam, uh, I think from the US, um, and his review, again, just picked his name out of a hat, was, uh, I'll read out his review, but um, all the others on all the different iTunes stores, thank you for that. They're all great reviews. I was, it's, 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 I can't tell you how awesome it is to get uh, great reviews. Um, it does make you feel good and does encourage you to keep podcasting. So thank you and feel free, please keep reviews coming in. Uh, and Zach's review was, Hilarious and educational, Hunting Humbug 101 will help you become a better, as they call it, seeker up of the truth. While becoming a better seeker of the truth, you are surely to laugh your pants off. A very well done introduction to spotting fallacies with the examples and reasons why the fallacies are fallacies. So thanks, Zach. I think that's quite a good summary of what we try and do. Um, and look, all the other reviews were great as well. So thanks, guys and girls who've written us reviews. It's really well appreciated. In saying that, I can see room for competitions in the future. Like We could even do things like um, a Name That Fallacy competition. So in last week's podcast, I actually gave... 
a couple of examples of fallacies for, and I, but I gave the answers as well for listeners to pick out. And that we could do it in terms of, you know, the first person to send us an email, uh, with a correct answer would win. Cause then we're not choosing again. So it's the choosing bit I really didn't enjoy at all. I, I, I couldn't do it. I could, they were all fantastic reviews. You, you guys are all great. We love you all. Uh, what a cliched thing to say. I don't. <laughs> okay, good. Say <laughs> I love you all. I, I just like you all because <laughs> you're listening to our podcast. Uh, the other thing is that a couple of other contestants um, did such excellent reviews that we did actually um, uh, offer another couple of books. Um, there was a Theo Clark and there was a Jeff Clark who both... Uh, one copies of the book also that wasn't advertised, but they're copies. I reckon we should just send them like all every other book we've got. Their, their copies of the book will be heavily annotated yeah. uh, and uh, overused with lots of highlighter marks all over them, and uh, the spines bent back. That's right. been very heavily used. Um, so I hope the other people out there that didn't receive that um, gratuitous gift, uh, I'm, I'm not um, upset about that. But oh yeah, well, well Zach's getting a second-hand one too. I'm not giving him a new one. No. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll sign it for you, Zach. Yeah, we'll sign it for you. <laughs> that means you won't be able to send it on to someone else and then yeah. you bought it for them for Christmas. You That's know? right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so th- again, thanks for that, uh, and look. All those reviews on iTunes are really appreciated and they really do help. Um, and any any way you want to help promote us, go for it. I've got a promo for the podcast on uh, that you can download and you could put on your podcast if you run a podcast or you could even just embed it in your website or blog if you've got a blog. Um, you can embed it there. It's only like a minute, podca- a minute promo for our show. So anyway, you can help. It's really appreciated. Uh, certainly... You know, email the ebook out to people and whatnot. Say, hey, have a look at this. You know, it's free. So what the hell? You could print off cartoons from it and you can put them on your office door. There's many different ways you can help promote our podcast and also, you know, obviously, the general goals of critical thinking and skepticism. So thank you to everybody. Uh, and until next week, this has been Hunting Humbug 101. And it's good night from me. It's good night from you. Now, you, did th- you did that two episodes ago. I don't think you should be doing that again. Oh, I'm going to do it as long as I feel like it. Oh, oh no, right. wait. You'll edit it out, won't you? No, no, I'll probably keep it this one, I reckon. Okay. I like, I like it when our podcasts end with our stupid inane conversations. Okay. So that was a rebroadcast episode of Hunting Humbug 101. For more information about the show and the book, Humbug the Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments, head to www.skepticsfieldguide.net.